power on. Legendary films and TV shows. Or just pure shit. The legendary host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. Sovereign at the movies. Like the band said, it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. And, or wait, was it, and I'm the man to do it. I think that's how Stephen Piercy said it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm here to review a movie that uh, very recently came out. Um, I, th- this movie came out of nowhere to my mind. I remember back in 2018, there being a lot of conversation around it, partly having to do with the Hasbro verse, which is where Paramount basically wanted to like bring all these different Hasbro toy lines, Transformers, ROM and everything, you know, and GI Joe and mask and bring them all together into one gigantic movie universe. Uh, wow. That would have been amazing. And IDW, the comic book company was doing it. Uh, they did a whole relaunch around it to make it all happen. And even they, you know, I, well, I'm guessing Paramount basically, and this is long before 2020 Paramount, just the idea fizzled there. And so then IDW wasn't really backing anything. And so it fizzled for them as well. And so it never came to be, but at the time, um, a new GI Joe movie was, uh, in heavy discussion. So welcome to sovereign Earth movies, because we are going to discuss this mystical third film, uh, or mythical, I shouldn't say mystical. Uh, well, I, I actually did end up getting kind of mystical, but this mythical third film that actually became a reality. That's what we're here to discuss. And the movie is, I'm sure you saw the title, uh, you know, uh, on, on your podcast, uh, feed that is snake eyes. Uh, what is it? GI Joe origin story or something like that is the full title. Very strange, whatever. We're just going to call it snake eyes. Uh, so we had two GI Joe movies, um, both of, uh, of varying quality in 2009, you had the rise of Cobra, which was the first live action GI Joe film, uh, not the first GI Joe movie. Uh, of course the original GI Joe film from back in the eighties, a uh, phenomenal piece of work, a very grown up, uh, piece of work, which kind of reminds me of. Well, we've got more masters of the universe that has finally come out. He man is engaged in his revelations. And are we going to review that? Oh, don't you worry. (laughs) That'll come, but let's get to snake eyes here first. Anyway, we had the 2009 rise of Cobra, uh, film, 
which I think is a phenomenal piece of work. If you're a GI Joe fan, like if you know, GI Joe, it's a phenomenal piece of work. If you don't, I don't know why you'd go and see a GI Joe film in the first place. Like that, that doesn't, you know, it's, it, it really, look, it was a very popular toy line for many years, even before it got to the three, you know, it got to the three and whatever inch size. All right. Very popular toy line. But do like, do the normal people that constitute the masses that can actually like make a movie money, you know, because the regular fans can't make the kind like super fans. There aren't enough super fans really for anything except for maybe star Wars and Marvel. There aren't enough super fans that can, you know, that, that, that can justify a nine digit budget for a film, whatever that happens to be. I mean, it's, it's just not possible, but that said, you're also not going to get the unwashed masses. I'm sorry. You're, <laughs> you're not, not going to get the masses who can justify your nine digit budget to sit down and watch a GI Joe movie. Like that, that's just in it. And I don't care who you cast in it because even GI Joe retaliation. I mean, now that movie, which came out in 2013 and starred the rock granted the rock wasn't the powerhouse uh, in Hollywood anyway, uh, that he would become, you know, later on or, you know, not long after, but like, you know, this is kind of not pre fast and furious, but before he became the staple in that, I mean, look, 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 the rock made great movies before fast and furious before that franchise, but that put him on the map. Let's be abundantly clear. And I say this as a wrestling historian, like I am somebody who was a huge fan of the rock, uh, especially in the squared circle. I'm just being frank and saying, look, it wasn't happening at the time because GI Joe retaliation did not have a major budget. And the rock clearly couldn't command the kind of salary that he gets today. Okay. I mean, we're just coming off of doom at that point and, you know, other, other films that he had done, but even putting the rock, you know, on a, uh, uh, you know, it's the biggest piece on, on a movie poster could not get a GI Joe movie, you know, to do impressive numbers. But again, my point is that you're not going to get enough people in theaters to justify the, the, the nine digit budget of a live action GI Joe film. And there are plenty of other franchises where I think this is true as well. doesn't matter if you're rebooting, remaking, reshitting that that's might be the best term for these kinds of things. Well, however you're, you're, you're doing it. It's just not going to happen. Does that speak to the movie we're here to really talk about, which is 2021's July 23rd released snake eyes. We'll see. But we do need to, I'm not going to give you a whole history on G.I. Joe, but I am going to give you a history, a a little bit of history on the movie, uh, the film series of G.I. Joe, because that's relevant here. Now, to be fair, the 2009 outing Rise of Cobra did okay money. That's why they were able to go ahead and make retaliation. Problem is they couldn't, they didn't make enough money to justify the high budget that Rise of Cobra came in at. Rise of Cobra, if you're a G.I. Joe fan, if, like I said, if you're a GI Joe fan, you know, that movie rocked because it delivered, like it played up like the cartoon, you know, and elements of the comic books. In fact, Larry Hama, the GI Joe God, as it were, uh, you know, as George Lucas is to star Wars, Larry Hama is to GI Joe. Let's be abundantly clear about that. Larry Hama was on set was, 
you know, uh, consulted on the script and everything for Rise of Cobra. That's why that movie, you know, when you watch it, boy, that feels like G.I. Joe. Now, look, if, if your sensibilities changed and you don't like how G.I. Joe was back in the day, back in the 80s, okay, then you didn't like Rise of Cobra. But if you were somebody who, you know, are still passionate and reading the comic books to this day and so on, which, by the way, Larry Hama is still doing great work, that movie was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it fucked with some origin stories, and I, I could quibble about some things that I didn't like about it. Like, okay, look, make the Baroness evil, okay? Don't have her be, like, mind-controlled. Have her be fucking evil. That that would have been dynamite. Um, I mean, that's how the character's always been. But, but. We'll, 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 we'll save that. Uh, now retaliation on the other hand, I mean, I just thought that was just a poorly produced film script was bad. Everything about it just didn't work. But after retaliation came out, it still did some money. Maybe it got people in with a rock, a few, just enough. Um, but conversations were still being had and conversations with the producer, uh, of GI Joe, of the G.I. Joe film, like series of those two films, that being uh, Lorenzo D. Bonaventura. Okay. He was still in conversations. He was still saying every couple of years after 2013, yep, we're making a third movie. Yep, we're making a third movie. Yep, we're making a third movie, and so on. And when he would say that, he was saying that it was the it was the third film, it was a sequel or maybe a prequel to the two previous films. Fast forward to 2021. I mean, the last I read any news about a new G.I. Joe movie was like 2018. I really don't know how this movie like missed my eyes. I mean, I guess it just goes to show that all the algorithms online don't fucking work because the amount of times that I type in something related to G.I. Joe, uh, you know, on, on a on a computer full of spyware, I mean, a Windows machine. You'd think that it would have come up, <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, like it, it should have, it should have crossed my bow via MSN or Twitter or, you know, Google search engine, whatever it should have crossed my bow and it didn't. And then suddenly I find out, Hey, there's a snake eyes movie coming out in June. And the only way I found out was because I had the regal app installed, uh, on a smartphone and it was listed. And I was like, wait, what, <laughs> when did that happen? But I watched the trailer and I was like, ah, that, that looks interesting. And then I, I looked into it a little bit deeper. Okay. Um, you know, to see, all right, what is this? You know, where does this fit into what continuity does this fit into, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. What's canon, right? That's the big question. Every, every super fan asks these days of any franchise. And what I read online was that this was the third film in the GI Joe live action film series. That's the way that it was built. Nowhere. In the multitude, even the reviews, like the, the, the rare reviews, because they had a, a what is it? A, a review embargo until the day of release. Even in a lot of the reviews, everybody treated it as this is the third GI Joe film. So I went into this movie, of course, the, the amazing Mrs. Sovereign and I, Mrs. Ellen Sovereign and I, we, we end up going into the film, uh, this past weekend and I'm getting ready to see, all right, let's, let's see an origin story. For, um, you know, you know, that, that, that plays like before the, the first two GI Joe movies, uh, you know, of the 21st century. And again, it's being done by, you know, or produced by the same guy who did the previous two films who had so much control, that being Bonaventura. 
So you may have guessed where I'm already going with this, and that is, no, this film is a completely alternate continuity to the previous two films, not related to them in the slightest, which I would argue is a shame on multiple accounts. One being that the 2009 Transformers, the 2009 G.I. Joe movie, you know, Rise of Cobra was great. I mean, it was an awesome, awesome film and appeases G.I. Joe fans. And two, now, you know, if you're creating a totally different continuity, you basically lose your history with The Rock, who's one of the biggest stars in the world, if not the biggest star in the Hollywood star in the world right now. And not having him, in fact, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, has said over the years, he's happy to get back into, you know, the role of Roadblock and, you know, coming back and doing a G.I. Joe film. Why would you throw that away? I mean, and, and who knows, like the, the streaming uh, numbers and even home video buys that you could have gotten away with by having a future movie with The Rock in it for his previous film that he was in, you know, that being Retaliation. If I were, you know, a producer, I'd be latching on to, you know, a, 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 to, to a previous film with the biggest name in the world. You know, that being Dwayne Johnson, that being The Rock. Right. I, I would not let that go. I would hold on to that so hard. Doesn't matter if the movie sucked. How many of the rocks movies are actually good? Yeah, exactly. But thusly, we end up with the movie Snake Eyes in 2021. Um, watching the trailer, I couldn't tell, frankly, that this wasn't in the same continuity other than. You know, it was kind of odd. So I suppose the biggest name involved with this movie with Snake Eyes is the the lead character, the actor, you know, playing the lead character, playing Snake Eyes, that being Henry Golding, who does tremendous work in the show Warrior. If you've never seen that, that that's that's solid stuff. Um, it, it's a bit of a shift because Henry Golding isn't, you know, a white guy, blonde hair, blue eyes, which Snake Eyes traditionally is. Now, I grant you. Of course, the actor who played Snake Eyes in the two previous films in Rise of Cobra and Retaliation was, of course, the legendary Ray Park, who also played, you know, for the for his maybe his biggest role of all time, that being Darth Maul. Of course, he was also an X-Men. Ray Park, though, I mean, was a perfect fit for this role. I mean, practically born for it <laughs> just with his talent. No stunt man required um, for the amazing stuff that, you know, fans are used to Snake Eyes doing. Henry Golding, on the other hand, you know, is from Malaysia and look, it's, it's fine. I mean, because if there's a concern, you know, if somebody was thinking, well, we don't want to, you know, get involved in cultural appropriation or something like that, and, you know, due to a, a white guy being a ninja and blah, blah, blah. If that was the reasoning, okay, I get the corporate byline that they're, or the, the corporate line that they're towing. But I don't think that that was the case at all. Uh, this was a case of, okay, there's a show with some karate that's popular on TV. Let's get one of the guys from that to be in our film to try and draw in some other people. So in that sense, frankly, they're actually being, well, I should say they're, they're not being culturally sensitive. In fact, they're just saying, no, only Asian people can do karate. And maybe even they're saying all Asian people do karate. There's also a big part of me here that feels like, it takes away from Japanese people because the story of snake eyes has to do with a ninja clan, the Arashikagi. And we'll talk more about that, but it takes away from the story that was never like, well, actually at some points, depending upon the comic series 
was directly mentioned, but it takes away from the beauty of, you know, this generosity that, well, within the continuity and including the continuity of this, um, most recent film where you have, you know, the Arashikage that are like these defenders of Japan, uh, you know, for them to, you know, have this generosity of bringing in a, you know, a gaijin, right. Bringing in, uh, someone who's not Japanese and taking them in. And then that character, you know, being such a respectful and representative, uh, character by honoring the ways of the Urashikagi in comparison, say to the character of storm shadow, uh, you removed a, frankly, a beautiful piece of the puzzle that is snake eyes life. And also an attempt to show cultural understanding. But whatever, Henry Golding's the big deal here. And in fact, most of the reviews that you read are going to say how, well, this movie wasn't that good, but oh, Henry Golding's a star. Look, Henry Golding's a great fucking actor. I mean, he's tremendous. I don't mean to take anything away from him. The only thing being taken away is from the character of Snake Eyes. But again, so many creative decisions aren't actually about being respectful. They're about spreadsheets you know, at corporate headquarters and making sure those look good in comparison to, I don't know, whatever they want to appease in the Twitterverse, I guess. So anyway, we're all over the place on this. Okay. The reason I went to go see this and the reason I went to theaters is very much because, well, in case you haven't gleaned it yet, uh, I'm a huge GI Joe fan. Uh, well, actually more accurately, I'm a huge Cobra fan, but uh, and have been since as far back as I can remember, I think at, uh, <laughs> at my height, I had around 250 or so GI Joe figures. Part of that number is because I would buy so many Vipers, right? You know, the Cobra soldiers. I was one of those kids that even had the, the custom GI Joe figure, you know, that like you create the, the bio for and everything and you give him his name and, you know, it was a steel brigade, right? I had the patch, the whole thing. That was me. And as a teenager, when Devil's Due, uh, that being Devil's Due Publishing, the comic book company, when they came out with G.I. Joe number one, uh, that ended up going to five or six printings, one of the best-selling comic books in history. That's how passionate of a G.I. Joe fan base you had. Can't justify a a nine-digit, you know, film budget, but oh yeah, you can justify a comic book (laughs) easily. That's why Larry Hama is still, you know, with IDW. Uh, continuing the Marvel series, even though it's IDW now, but continuing it the same series from the eighties, you know, we're in like issue almost 300 something now. So clearly by no means did anybody like grow out of being a fan of GI Joe. I mean, yes, people did. Lots of people did. I'm sure. But there are people who are really into it, who they stuck with it and devils do and IDW have really paid off on that. Uh, I mean, Marvel did in the eighties too. You gotta understand like, okay, the cartoon people can talk whatever shit they want about the cartoon and say that it's basically a, you know, a 20 minute commercial for, for toys. Uh, that's fine. If you want to, you know, and you're not exactly wrong. That's absolutely why it got made. Uh, I still think there are redeeming qualities to the cartoon, but the comic book series that ran for years, even after the toy line was kind of dying out, um, that's as adult as it comes. I mean, that that's some, that's some legit, you know, military action, right? I mean, GI Joe is military science fiction fantasy, right? A little more on the science fiction side of that, but that's the realms that it can kind of fit into certainly after the original animated GI Joe film, but at its heart. Yeah. We'll say military science fiction. 
And it was doing military science fiction long before Honor Harrington, you know, long before David Weber or any of these other people were doing all their shit long before Halo, uh, long before even Doom. You know, G.I. Joe was military science fiction before, you know, the concept of the space marine even graced us in the early 90s. Uh, I don't think G.I. Joe gets its due on the concepts that like a lot of it laid out. And part of that is because more people think of it for the cartoon and the toy line than they do the comic books, even though the fans ultimately, I feel like, pay fealty to the comic books. Now, to understand bringing this all back, um, I was so passionate about G.I. Joe that years into doing Sovereign Tech, and some longtime listeners might remember this from a couple Q&As, uh, you know, after three or four years, and actually when like my Patreon at the time, which I was using, you know, really took off and I was, you know, doing very well on that, um, I was tempted to do another podcast. It's like, all right, you know, this, this podcast is super successful. That being Sovereign Tech, let's... Let's see what try our hand at another one. And the other podcast I was going to do, I called CobraCast. Um, and I went pretty far in production on this. And it was going to be a podcast all about uh, G.I. Joe. And part of what was beneficial about it was that you had uh, the, the Hasbroverse that was being discussed to come in theaters. So that would have given me natural things to talk about. There weren't really any G.I. Joe podcasts at the time. And if they were, all they did was talk about the toys and well, you know me, I mean, I'm the, speaking of masters of the universe, I, I'm a master of many universes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking walking franchise encyclopedia. And also at the time I felt like, you know, I was an absolute master of my craft, uh, you know, being like just a top. And look, I'm not saying this to boast. I'm just saying this is the confidence that I had because some people might hear what you're going to do a GI Joe podcast. That's insane. Yeah, but it's me talking about it, right? <laughs> you know, it's somebody who has showmanship skills. I mean, if you want me to be modest and say, oh, I have a little bit of showmanship skills. Fine. I can be modest if you want, but you also know, come on, who's the podcast champion? Yeah. So that would have been a lot of fun to do. Um, would I still consider doing it? I don't know, especially after seeing snake eyes, uh, but don't let that read into what I think about the film. Um, I mean, doing podcasts on franchises, I mean, I already do TIE Fighter Renegades with Rob, and we could talk about G.I. Joe there if I wanted to, you know, so I don't really need to do CobraCast, but that's how, that's how much I really enjoy and love G.I. Joe. Again, more so though, I like the villains. I like Cobra. That's why I was going to call the show CobraCast. I wouldn't want to be confused as somehow being pro-military. So anyway, <laughs> suffice to say, G.I. Joe definitely in my top 10 uh, media franchises of all time. So I went to go see snake eyes because, well, you know what? Like I'll give GI Joe a little more money. What the fuck? So let, let's start talking about this film because Ellen and I, we go and see it. And the most amazing thing happens. No, not the fact that there's going to be a new jackass movie, though. That's amazing as well. <laughs> uh, no, uh, excuse me. The most amazing thing happens when the movie opens up. On the screen, wearing a leather jacket before, you know, any, any Paramount symbols or any symbols roll or anything like that, any studio symbols roll, any of that shit, Henry Golding appears on the screen wearing a leather jacket with like a quasi Arashikage Ninja Clan symbol behind him. And he starts saying, hey, everyone, he's talking to the audience saying, hey, everyone, thanks for coming to see the movie. 
We worked really hard on this and we did this for you, the fans. And without further ado, here's the movie, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but that's the gist of what he said. Now, Ellen and I looked at each other slack jawed, like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, I've there's times where I've wanted that to be in a film, like for the actor to either break the fourth wall at the end of a movie, maybe, or, you know, open it up and say what this all or a director even say what this all meant to him. In fact, Zack Snyder kind of did this with the recent release of uh, his version of Justice League. Or, for example, you know, the the ending of the theatrical version of because on DVD is all director's cut. The ending of the theatrical version of uh, Highlander Endgame, which was supposed to be the last Highlander film. I guess it's only a matter of time before Highlander gets the, the, the snake eyes treatment, <laughs> as we'll discuss. Uh, I, at the end of that, I was hoping like there's a point where where Adrian Paul is Duncan McCloud is walking towards the screen, like right at you. And I was really hoping that he was going to give some kind of like farewell message to the fans of Highlander saying like, you know, wow, it's been an incredible journey. Sayonara. It didn't happen. Uh, it would have been awesome. I mean, corny as fuck. Sure. But it would have been great. But, you know, so I've wanted this sort of thing to happen, but the problem was it opening the film. Like, I think it's one thing to do it at the end. And I know in Hollywood, it's not uncommon to have a director or even in other big city releases, like say in London or maybe, you know, somewhere in China or whatever, where, you know, you have cast members or you have uh, crew members who will do Q and a around the film after the fact, or introduce it beforehand, you know, before like a screened audience, things like this, you know, I mean, I know that that kind of happens, but I've never seen it on this scale where it was just a part of you go to the theaters and this is going to get played before the film. Never saw that before. If it's happened before, you can email me questions at sovereigntech.com and you can tell me about it. Cause I was, I was kind of floored by this, but here's the problem. My read of it and others may see it differently, but my read of them doing that was basically the studio's way of saying, Hey, we know this movie sucks, but we tried really hard. <laughs> and so please, please. And, and like opening with Henry golden, like, please just think of Henry golding and his career and, and, and all like that. That's really how that felt because now I'm not saying that the movie sucked either. I'm just saying, I think that most people think would think that this movie sucks. I mean, I know what I think of it as a GI Joe fan. I can only imagine what people think of it who aren't GI Joe fans at all, because I don't think it's going to do them any favors. But when, when Henry Golding was saying we did this for the fans, look, I mean, this wasn't on entertainment tonight. This was before the fucking movie in fucking theaters. You're already getting your diehards in there. So the question is, who are these fans that he's talking about? Because if this was, here's, here's, here's the deal in case you haven't picked this up yet either. Like this movie totally exists within its own continuity does plays almost nothing off of any previous continuities, film series, comic book series, cartoon, or otherwise. This is a completely, almost a completely new story for how snake eyes came to be really how storm shadow came to be and so on. But like, if you made this for the fans, why aren't you bringing to life what fans know of GI Joe. So that, that raises the question, like what fans is Henry Golding talking about? Because I am a GI Joe fan and I did not just see a GI Joe movie. 
So, you know, and, and look, I, I got to bring this up. Um, I mean, if you're thinking like this is for a new GI Joe fan, what are they coming out of? Because the only recent productions of GI Joe that aren't either um, a re-release of a figure from the 1980s or, uh, you know, the, the, the Larry Hama series, which if you're reading the Larry Hama series, you know, the fucking continuity and you know that this, that snake eyes, the movie doesn't play into it at all, but the only like modern productions for GI Joe, uh, have really been in the, uh, in the comic book space where IDW, and this was kind of controversial, and I think the fans ended up being right. Uh, IDW tried their hand at a new GI Joe comic book. Like that was a new continuity that was separate from Larry Hama's work, which is fine, you know, because, and, and when it came out, I even talked about it on sovereign tech. Cause this came out in 2019 or started in 2019. And I had said at the time that, okay, I get what they're doing, but, you know, at least IDW is saying like the head of IDW, he said, for as long as Larry Hama wants to make GI Joe comic books, we will let him make GI Joe comic books, but we're going to make this separate continuity to do other thing with other creators. Okay, good. Then you have two existing continuities, right? You, which is totally fine. You have, you know, you got Larry Hama's work, which gets respected and paid for. And I guarantee was selling more comics than, well, I mean, that sells more than most series. Uh, and then you're going to have your little GI Joe comic over here. Uh, now, I mean, credit to the reason that a lot of times a, um, a production company, a media company won't run say two different versions of a franchise is they, cause they consider it to be consumer uh, confusion, you know, like that, that'll become consumer confusion. Like, wait, there's GI Joe. And then there's GI Joe, real American hero. Like, are they the same universe? No, not really. What, what is this? So I give IDW credit for at least trying and also for at least doing it right, which is the same credit admittedly that I give to Jar Jar Abrams, I'm sorry, JJ Abrams for, you know, with the Kelvin timeline, he made sure it connected to the prime timeline. So he wasn't erasing that Star Trek had this really long past that centered around this tremendous actor, you know, grandpa Nimoy. Great. Good. Go ahead and make your new universe. I don't care. As long as you recognize and respect the one that was there which is what IDW did. But here's the thing. Everybody's like, yeah, but nobody, nobody cares. Fans knew what I had just, what I had said earlier in this episode that you don't, there is no new fan base for GI Joe. Like there is, like, they're just, they're not there. Okay. There's not enough people to justify a movie like snake eyes to make the right amount of money. Um, you're not going to win anybody over with the concept that, you know, with, with like GI Joe's kind of, uh, uh, um, uh, the pillars that make up the GI Joe franchise. You're not going to win anybody over today. It's purely a product of people who grew up, you know, in the latter part of the 20th century, particularly the 1980s, even though I know GI Joe goes back further than that. Okay. It's just not there. And guess what happened in February of 2021? Suddenly, you know, I mean, barely, barely a year and a half later, that 2019 GI Joe comic book that IDW was trying to reboot everything with, you know, was, was concluded and ended and canceled, but it was supposed to be the new big thing. This was going to carry GI Joe into the 21st century, uh, you know, blah, 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 because who knows Larry Hama might want to quit someday, etc. And it's done. It's over. And we knew that was going to be the case because again, 
there, there just, there isn't, I mean, there's, there's a diehard fan base out there for GI Joe, but it's not, you're not going to get any, you're just not going to get new blood in this. You can't. That's why I think rise of Cobra was very intelligent to appease fans, you know, from the eighties. Like, yeah, no, let, let's get them because they're all we've got. Let's find out how many there are. Is it enough to justify? And, you know, maybe the fan, maybe the passion from the fans of the eighties could pull it off. But even then, I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of, well, films at that time. So, you know, in the aughts, like 2009, 2010, you had a couple of, of, of attempts at uh, not, well, I guess, see, here's the problem. Reboot, reimagine, restart. Like the, these terms all have very specific meanings in Hollywood. They each mean different things, even though they get sometimes get used interchangeably, they can mean very different things. So I feel like in Hollywood before, well, I don't know when it fucking changed, but when you were bringing back old franchises, it seemed like Hollywood had the idea that you had to appease the original fans. For example, GI Joe from 2009, you know, rise of Cobra had to appeal original fans. Tron legacy was a direct continuation 25 years later, unheard of direct continuation of the first film, you know, no reboot here, direct continuation. And there were a few others that, that kind of played that, that game. And somewhere along the line, Hollywood figured out either that doesn't make enough money, which I can believe because you didn't have enough Tron fans either, <laughs> you know, as great as that was. And everybody knows how big of a fan I am of Tron. But essentially, at some point in the 2010s, Hollywood just came out and said, yeah, there's no money in, in appealing to old people uh, unless they're drunk. And so we're, we're not going to do that. And when I say old people, I mean like old people, like society thinks of old people. So anybody over the age of 18, I guess, you know, th then you're ancient. Because why to appease to someone who doesn't have their parents' discretionary funding? <laughs> because the parents don't have any money because they're spending it all on their kids. So don't bother appealing to them unless it comes over the air for free, like soap operas and football. So again, my point, there is no new fan base to grab. Some of these franchises, I think you can pull it off. Others, and I'm not even saying you'd pull it off well. Some franchises, I mean, you can bring in new fans. Others, no. You know, like Dune. Okay, Dune's going to bring in new fans. But other franchises, like, it's just, these are things that are so far out of cultural programming uh, or societal programming that just forget it. Anyway, so we get Snake Eyes, the movie, 2021, released July 23rd. Like I said, starring Henry Golding as the titular character. It exists in its own continuity. Um, I think it's worthwhile to talk about some of the crew behind uh, this film, you know, because let's, let's get into the technicals on this and then let's talk about the film. We've spent way too much time getting into the mess that has been GI Joe for, uh, for some time uh, as far as the franchise in recent years, though, the one thing you can always count on whoo, is Larry Hama, you know, knowing half the battle. <laughs> they even said that in rise of Cobra. Come on. The movie was so perfect. Well, almost perfect. Anyway, okay. I mean, Channing Tatum sucks, but whatever. All right. So Snake Eyes. Now, um, yeah. So you had uh, Bonaventura involved again. Um, it was directed by Robert Schwenke. 
You know, let, let's just say it. Usually I just say, yeah, the direction was fine. Blah, blah, blah. Now ev the actors by and large were fine. There are two that I'm going to have take issue with, and I'll get to that. But this is one of the first movies I've seen in a while where I'm like, wow, that director sucks. As in that director is passionless. This movie, I guess I'll say this out front. This movie is not bad, but it is also not very good. <laughs> like it's, it's just, eh. you know, and if there's some kind of plan to make more GI Joe movies in the future, uh, I guess there is already one other movie in the works. Who knows what the fuck that'll be. It's going to be another bait and switch. Uh, but you know, if they're planning on a big franchise by 2030 and whatever, Hey, m maybe they'll hit it. I, but I don't think so. Cause I, I have a hard time believing this, this movie is doing serious numbers. And that'd be true whether or not it was the year after 2020. You know, there, there's no way this movie was going to do big money. Uh, I mean, well, you know, I guess may, maybe I, I could be shocked, um, but we are talking about a film that that was on a $110 million budget. So you've got to make that up. Uh, and last I saw the box office wasn't even at 20 million yet. It's not a good look. Anyway, Robert Schwenke is, is totally passionless. Um, I have a hard time believing that somebody who has the clear lack of passion, even in the quieter moments of the film, and those are actually the best parts of the film. Um, I have a hard time believing that he was able to direct the level of action that was in the movie, which the level of action was actually pretty good, albeit unbalanced at times. And I don't mean unbalanced because snake eyes is taking on like 20 to a hundred people at any given moment. Every time he's in a fight, I'm not saying that, I'm saying it's unbalanced in that it it's all over the place as far as it's either very grounded or it's fantastical or it's whatever, because like, look, if these ninjas can do these, you know, gigantic leaps, like over bridges and everything else, there's plenty of times in the film where they should have been able to save themselves and they didn't, but whatever. I mean, I think that speaks to, you know, this is something that's proven uh, and has been known for a few years now, at least within Hollywood is that a lot of these movies, especially the Marvel movies, when they bring in like big name directors, they tell the directors, don't worry about the action. We'll handle that. Meaning that the directors do not put their signature in any way on the action in those films, which is part of the reason that the action looks exactly the same in every Marvel movie, which is part of the reason that those movies suck. But I would, I could believe that this happened here as well, that they just brought in an action team and did the usual blase blah, too much shaky cam horseshit. Even though the, again, the action was fine. It just also wasn't inspired or passionate. Not to say there weren't some cool moments in it. There were, but it just wasn't enough to put it over the top. Now there's an action movie over the top. Woo. All right. Anyway. So the direction on this film, just blah, could have brought in anybody. This Robert Schwenke, I like, I don't know how he got the job. Maybe it was just gun for hire, cheapest guy they could find. I don't know. And they save money on the budget because of that. Just nothing there. Um, music. Music was done by Martin uh, Todd Sherrill. It was there. You know, like it wasn't bad, but there's also nothing inspiring about it as to where, you know, Rise of Cobra had Alan Silvestri, right? Delivering the stirring stuff as he does. Um, that was also uninspired and, and passionless. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> even though I don't want to make fun of Ron Howard, he's a great director. The, 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 the best corollary 
of, of this movie. I think this is, and, and, and it fits in so many ways because the corollary is also an origin movie. Snake eyes is to GI Joe. You know, the movie snake eyes is to GI Joe. What solo is to star Wars, what the solo movie was to star Wars, where it was this movie. Nobody asked for. In fact, we like not no, we like, I mean, part of what makes snake eyes so cool. Part of it's the Boba Fett effect, you know, in that he's a character that we don't know a lot about. He's mysterious, but he looks fucking badass, Right. So no one really wanted to know that, <laughs> you know, like what, what was, what was the kind of the origin? I mean, yes, we wanted to know a little bit more about Boba Fett back in the day. Um, but like with snake eyes, nobody was asking for an origin movie with him. We, we knew the deal that he was in the Arashikage clan and everything and that he's cool now, you know, like that, that's kind of what mattered. Um, but yeah, it's very much like solo. Cause like solo had a shit score. Like it, it didn't, it was, it was downright bad. You know, it wasn't even just like, okay, it was just bad. Um, so it was, it was like a pointless film that, that also really felt pretty passionless, uh, in, in my opinion. And, and snake eyes comes off the same way, even though like solo in snake eyes, you had a lot of fine actors. Now, two of the actors though, and, and I don't know that I'm going to blame the actors cause I think they were just doing what they were directed to do. Uh, this was either a direction choice or whoever's fucking choice. It was, it was the wrong one. And certainly there was a flaw in the writing. Um, the characters of Baroness for Cobra and of course, Scarlet, uh, for GI Joe Scarlet, you know, has the long history, the relationship with snake eyes. So clearly they were starting to play that up. Um, the presentation of these characters was, very updated, which made little sense um, because, and and this is true for Snake Eye, the character of Snake Eyes in this movie as well. Um, probably the, the character that got away looking the best out of all of this was Storm Shadow. Uh, and the actor that played him, you know, I, I didn't think he had enough of the look. Like he should have been more chiseled. He should, I mean, because boy, you look at the actor who played him in both who played storm shadow and rise of Cobra and retaliation. It was a, that was a fucking badass man. That was like Bruce Lee reincarnated fucking amazing. Um, but Andrew Koji did, did fine, but he wasn't like chiseled. He wasn't, he, he just didn't feel like storm shadow, but he definitely came off the best. Like his story arc, this movie really should have been called storm shadow, I think. And it would have been, your eyes would have been in a more interesting place throughout the film if we didn't, you know, if snake eyes wasn't the central character here, but then how many people know who snake eyes is and how many people know who storm shadow is right. More people, a lot more people know who snake eyes is, even if they just played with the action figures or grew up with any element of GI Joe, because snake eyes is kind of the one element that's been a part of any GI Joe, regardless of who the enemy is or who the other Joes are. Snake eyes is kind of always there. He's that popular of a character anyway. So Scarlet Baroness Snake Eyes, all the characters are, were, were kind of modernized, kind of, you know, given like, like a more modern uh, affect. And the problem is, is that like, so you're bringing these characters in, right? The reason you decided to have Baroness and not Destro, the reason you decided to have Baroness and not Cobra Commander, the reason you decided to have Baroness and not Alley Viper, <laughs> right? <laughs> or Dr. Mindbender or go down the list or, or Serpentor is because Baroness is a very popular character, especially like in cosplay scenes and wherever else. And of course with GI Joe fans themselves, I'm a fan as well. The reason you brought in Scarlet 
is because she's also a very popular character with G.I. Joe fans. The reason you brought in Snake Eyes is because he's easily the most popular character of the series. But then if you're relying upon, you're bringing them in because of the most popular and you're relying on them out of like, you know, their cachet, then why are you changing them? (laughs) Because they did. Uh, again, snake eyes origin story is completely different in this. In fact, it's different to the point that it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. Uh, I'll get into that, but with like Baroness Baroness, you know, spoiler alerts, Baroness does, uh, a face turn on this as in she's the heel, you know, she's the bad guy. And, but there's a point where she's like good. And I thought that was fucking outrageous, uh, you know, for that character. Um, also they, they, they put in an actress that just did not look evil. Again, Baroness is an evil fucking character. That's why people remember because she's like so badass and again, evil, right? I mean, and, and we're using simple terms because these are <laughs> for all intents and purposes, simple cartoon characters or toys or comic book characters. Uh, even though Larry Hama definitely took them all to another level. Scarlet. Okay. Scarlet is what she is, but they turn her into like this kind of stuck up, everything's boring, blah, blah, blah. You know, like it just played like a character out of mean girls or something. And I don't know how anybody like that would make it in GI Joe, right? Like having that kind of attitude, isn't going to get you in the military to say nothing of being in team alpha, right? With GI Joe, give me a fucking break. And you can say, Brian, well, that's worrying about realism. Eh, no, it's just, it's just do, do the simple. If you're going to have simple characters, do the simple things that make sense. And this doesn't make any sense. Now let's talk about snake eyes for a second. Through most of this movie, snake eyes is just like this runaway character who, you know, does like MMA on the streets, essentially has no official training. And it's made abundantly clear that he has no real training, that he's like very crude in his fighting style and all this. Now, what makes Snake Eyes cool is that he's a ninja, right? You know, he's part of the Arashikage, and there's all this mystery around that clan and everything. And they do play up heavy, the Arashikage angle in this movie. But Snake Eyes goes from Street Fighter, and I don't mean like Street Fighter 2, I mean like, like you know, a Street Fighter, to Ninja Assassin inside of, I don't know, four days? Maybe a week? <laughs> which again makes no sense. Like, hold on, hold on. Like snake eyes is his whole thing is his ninja mystique. His whole thing is how he is like this really wise ninja master who doesn't even have to talk to parlay such wisdom and so on. And you don't explore that at all in this movie. In fact, you make him part of the Arashikage inside of a couple days after going through like just three simple trials, instead of having him go through it, like his entire life or something where he's learning from, you know, the blind master and all this jazz. It just didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense just in the film to say nothing of how it makes sense as far as, okay, you're taking advantage of the cool character snake eyes. What makes the character cool? You didn't put in anything that made the character cool, which is the whole reason that you made the movie about him anyways, because he was cool in the first place. Wait, Are you cross-eyed? I am. I'll make this clear because I've I've said, even on Sovereign at the Movies, you know, I've, but I've certainly said many times on Sovereign Tech, I no longer expect Hollywood 
whoever that, whatever shape that takes is Netflix, Disney plus, you know, the what's in theaters, whatever Hollywood, the entertainment industry. I don't expect them to pay any fealty or present any fidelity to the source material that they are essentially raping or ravaging, which is the hard work of men, women, Z's for decades. I don't expect them to pay any fidelity to that. Okay. However, I do think you still got to play kind of close to the mark. Like, okay, you know, sure. Iron Man isn't going to be exactly like Iron Man in the comic books. Um, Captain Marvel is going to be almost nothing like what was in the comic books, but you got to play it kind of close or at least give them a universe that plays it kind of close. And Snake Eyes does neither. So it's like they didn't even try. And the film, actually, it feels so out of whack with the concept of G.I. Joe itself, with the abstract notion of G.I. Joe. Um, this is something other critics commented on, and I, I agree with them, uh, maybe even more strongly than they feel about it, where the G.I. Joe elements just feel totally shoehorned in. If this movie was not G.I. Joe and was just some kind of story about an ancient ninja clan in the modern day and it trying to be updated, you know, um, Okay, it would have been a movie that made more sense. At the very least, it would have made more sense. It doesn't mean it would have been any better, <laughs> okay? But it would have made more sense. So again, it's not like it was a bad film. It's just, it's also not a good one. And it certainly doesn't fit within the G.I. Joe universe. And not because it has its own continuity. It just doesn't fit with the concept. Um, And, and again, like Scarlet and... And, and Baroness both felt just really shoehorned in and both of the performances were off. I'm not going to blame the actresses on that. Uh, even though I'm, I could say maybe that was some poor casting. I, I think it was, I'm not saying they're bad actresses. I'm just saying, I think it was poor casting. Um, but also, you know, it, it just, yeah, I'm, I'm going to blame the director and maybe the cinematographer ultimately and the editor. I'll blame them too. Again, the, the film just didn't make any sense. Now, halfway into the movie, it suddenly goes from being a very grounded film. And it really was. I mean, this could easily fit in with, you know, some classic Van Damme movies or something like that. Uh, I mean, I really could. But then like halfway into the movie, when when they start talking about the, the sun jewel or sunstone or whatever it was, um, it, it turns very quickly into a kind of a fantasy, like a, a mystical film. And that turn just feels off as well, because like you're spending so much time grounding it in reality for it to suddenly just twist like that was pretty jarring. Uh, I thought the movie was also way, way too long. There was no need for this movie to be two hours. Uh, in fact, with that budget, I would have made a much tighter film, you know, weighing in at like an hour and a half. Uh, and you know, <laughs> I wouldn't have tried to ground it. Like, I, I think the, the ground, I sort of feel like they were trying to what, maybe what they were hoping was, is they're saying, okay, we went crazy and just ran with it in rise of Cobra. And maybe they felt that that didn't work. So we're going to try the X-Men approach. And what I mean by the X-Men approach is, you know, back in the late nineties, when the first X-Men movie came out, that tried you know, from the opening with the Senate hearings and everything that tried to ground 
the Marvel universe, right? The X-Men, the, the, you know, the mutants and everything. It tried to ground it in reality, make it seem more real, not have Wolverine wear yellow spandex and all this other crap. You know, even though I don't think it's crap, I, I loved X-Men being ridiculous, but you get what I'm saying. Okay. And you know, X-Men was a, you know, Brian Singer's X-Men was a great movie. X2 was, was a, was a good movie. I mean, you know, that, that was, that was a, a, a well-done series overall. Um, I mean, an ending with Logan for most people, you know, would see that as, as a complete success and sure, even if, you know, they might see that there was a miss or two, uh, you know, in between, but I feel like they were going that route where they wanted to, you know, ground it more in reality, get rid of all the crazy weapons and everything. And, but they didn't stick with that. <laughs> like if you're going to, if you're going to stick with that, you, it has to be a consistent tone and it wasn't a consistent tone because again, halfway through the film, suddenly people are getting vaporized with like a stone and, and, and then there's like, well, spoiler alerts. Then there's like these giant anacondas. And I don't mean, I mean like the kind of giant anacondas, like you see Conan kill and Conan, the barbarian, like stupidly massive, um, that live in a cave. And there's three of them all together when, you know, snakes, will usually eat each other in those kinds of situations. Uh, doesn't mean whatever. Okay. Sorry. See, I'm ground. I'm trying to ground the idea in reality and they couldn't, they themselves couldn't do that. So I could get into a lot more around it, but I think that this really, you know, hits it is that this has nothing to do with the previous films. Even if you like those, there's nothing to add on here. Um, and it does nothing for the GI Joe universe as a whole. And if anything, it's, it's a stain on that garment, right? The garment analogy, you know, it's mediocre, which a lot of times I feel is worse than bad. You know, it's a mediocre film. Um, and, and it's a stain on the franchise overall. It's not helping it in any way. I cannot imagine that it's bringing in new fans. I just can't believe it. You know, that that's happening. It might make for some new styles of cosplay of the Baroness at Comic-Con or something, but all that's bullshit anyway. Sorry, cosplayers. It, you're at the point of self-parody now. <laughs> okay. You really are. And and if you disagree with me, let me know. But I like, really, I feel like they made Ursula uh, Corbero, I think was the actress who played, uh, who played Baroness. Like they, they wanted her to be as non standout really as possible, you know, which doesn't fit the Baroness at all. Uh, in attitude, you know, I mean, it's just, it doesn't fit the character. Scarlet is the absolute opposite of aloof. In fact, she's a very emotional character. Uh, well, okay. I know how they played her up in rise of Cobra as well, but there, you know, that was kind of, kind of an origin story and they're growing her out of that aspect, which fits more in line with how she is in the comics as well as the cartoon, which is part of why she has the relationship with snake eyes because, you know, she is such, you know, she early, she does become so empathic anyway, the, the screw ups abound, you know, and taken alone, it's an okay movie, but again, it's just that now an argument I hear a lot of times is that, yeah, but Brian, what gets done in the comic books or what's what gets done in a cartoon series can't translate to a movie. My answer to that is the same as it has been for years. Don't make a movie. If it can't translate or, and it's not that it can't translate. What it ultimately is, is that 
you don't have anybody smart enough. You don't have anybody creative enough to bring it to the screen in an efficacious way. That's the deal, right? How about Dune, right? Dune's coming up. Okay. I mean, I don't know how Denise uh, Villeneuve's version is going to exactly be. I'm sure Rob and I will talk about it soon. I don't know how that's going to be, but I can tell you that even though you could say that like Lynch, David Lynch's Dune from the eighties was wildly different from the book. You can make that claim, right? And I'd understand where you're coming from. The point is David Lynch is such a brilliant writer director that he could take the source material and still bring something that presents everything that's wonderful about Dune. Yeah. Even if it is, has differences, they can bring everything that's wonderful about Dune and bring it, you know, uh, uh, with, with a degree of uh, efficacy and hell, even enrichment and bring that to the screen. So it's not that things can't translate to the screen the same, uh, you know, and pay fidelity. It's that you don't have anybody that's fucking good enough. That's an argument for people that are shit at their job, which it seems most of Hollywood is today. So, so don't, don't let people get away with that. If they say to you, oh, well, you know, a comic book can't translate to the screen. No. Whoever made that movie is an idiot. That's the problem. And I think this is our overall clearly a movie made by idiots and it's a very confused production. It has, it doesn't even know who its audience is. Like I said at the top, or closer to when we were getting in this review, like Henry Golding saying, this is for the fans. No, this was not. <laughs> I see nothing here to appeal to any GI Joe fan. What fans are you talking about? Are you talking about genre fans? I mean, he wasn't clear. He specifically did not say what kind of fans. He just said fans. But even if you're a genre fan, well, then what's with the half realistic, half mystical shit? Anyway, that's enough. Uh, to, to, to cap it off. So what do I give this movie as, as far as a rating? I, I think I, I got to give it a six, a five or a six. I'm tossed in there. And you know what I, you know, I've said before, like a five, mm, that's worse than one. Uh, I got to give it like a five or a six because there's just nothing like redeeming to walk away from it, which is a shame too, because like the characters of storm shadow and snake eyes always had and snake eyes would find ways to say it always had like brilliant things to say. Like that was the beauty of the GI Joe comics is that you really did learn shit. It, it was amazing. And, and even the cartoon had, had some points to make at times, um, or just had that cool factor. And again, this has none of that, none of that, especially with the two lead characters. What the fuck? But also, even if it wasn't a GI Joe movie, it's still a five or six because it's still just, bleh, <laughs> you know, like might've made a good TV movie. I don't know. I mean, and, you know, you can update this stuff to be for adults, even if you still just want to be like, well, okay, we'll, we'll piece to adults because, you know, kids today aren't going to buy into this GI Joe, you know, rhetoric. You can make something for adults. I mean, look at hell, look what like DC comics did with Thundercats. And that was direct translation from cartoon to comic books. It was the other way around. Granted, you could argue, maybe that's a little easier, but still, uh, I mean, it was, it was directly implied in DC comics, uh, you know, their run, or was it Wildstorm? their, their run, which was DC comics, uh, their run with Thundercats where you had, you know, the, <laughs> who originally were like the Thunder kids. I mean, they had grown up, but they're basically Moomra's sex slaves, both the gal and the guy, uh, 
or even look at what masters of the universe is doing right now. I mean, you, you don't have to keep it in the realm of the safe, right. Or, or for young people, but whatever, I wouldn't be surprised this, you know, frankly, this might be a case where they needed to make this movie because they were licensed to make a third one. And they would have had to have paid fines if they didn't make the third film uh, that the contract that they got for the, for the GI Joe license uh, was going to go out. So, I mean, I'm really inclined to believe that, that, that it might, cause that happens all the time. And this might be one of those scenarios where, no, we just got to make a fucking film. So I don't know, you know, roll Shamboya and, and see what happens. Right. <laughs> but I would think if, if that's the case, why talk about making another movie like that? I don't know, but whatever, don't waste your time with this one. I, I, I really, I can't even say like, oh, you got to see it for yourself. No, just don't, don't waste your time. This again, it's not bad, but it's also not good. And it's two hours. If it was an hour and 15 hour, 20 hour, 30, you know, might be a little more, be able to say, okay, you're not taking too much time. Maybe you can watch it in two X. Maybe it'd even be a better film at two X. I don't know. Pop it in VLC and see what happens. This is just, this is one of those cases that I, I don't know how you screw up because it's snake eyes. It's one of the coolest characters ever. You don't have to do a whole hell of a lot to deliver on what people would want from a movie with that character in it. And they still fucked up. Anyway, I'll end this here. Uh, more sovereign tech to come. Oh, all kinds of sovereign tech and exciting news to get into in the very near future. But for now, I will see all of you on the other side.